Aren't you glad God sent us Arena? Yeah, I know it. We're happy about that. Let me ask you, who do you think came the furthest to come to church today? I think it was Arena. Has anyone come further than Ukraine? I'm just asking. If not, Arena, you win. And we're glad. And we win because you're here. Hey, listen, our ushers are going to come forward at this time. And they have a little brochure for you. It looks like this. Looks like this. And Pastor Ken will tell you some other things about this. Make sure the choir needs it. If anyone needs prayer, it's us. So please pray for us too. So if you make sure they get some, and uh, that will be a great thing. Um, while we've got a moment, I also want to ask Kim. Kim, won't you come and make your announcement now? I know I'm putting you on the spot. But if you don't come and say it, I'll have to talk about helium. So just come on up here. <laughs> A few minutes ago, you got to see a video of the kids um, saying that we need you for VBS. And so I wanted to make sure that people knew, even if you can't be here for VBS, even if you're on vacation that week or your job prevents you from being here, we have volunteer opportunities for those people too. So if you can help in any way, we have volunteer opportunities before VBS, during VBS, and after VBS to help us um, as this is really an outreach ministry of our church. So I will be at the table after the service. If you have any questions, if that had been, had been a concern for you, I just wanted to let you know that we have jobs for everyone. You can, we have things you can do from the privacy of your own home and make it really easy. So um, just let me know if you're interested in that. We would love to have you. If you can help during VBS, we would love to have that too. We have lots of different uh, positions that are, still need to be filled. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Kim. Hey, listen, there's a bunch of folks worked around here yesterday, uh, and I would like for them to stand where they are. If you worked in the yards or worked in the inside, I know there's some of you who are here today. Most of them are standing out in the background in the uh, vestibule, but guys, y'all can step in and wave your hands. And can we give them a hand for helping clean up outside? And the river rock looks good. So we're really excited about that. And, and the last thing I'm going to tell you is this. Tonight is compass meeting night. Don't miss it. It's going to, we're going to have extra things. And, and we'll have even more extra things if you bring more food. So bring food at 6 o'clock. Bring your food at 6 o'clock. We'll eat together. Then we'll have the meeting. And Pastor Ken, I, I, I discovered today that the, this church owns a helium tank. And so we're, we're going to try to bring it to the compass meeting tonight. And no one gives a report without sucking helium. So we're going to have a great time at the compass meeting tonight. You don't want to miss it.
Amen. Thank you, choir. They'll be rehearsing at 5 o'clock today. Not 4. 5 o'clock today. And we need you to come and be a part of what's going on there. Just before the compass meeting at 6. Hey, I don't know about you, but all week long I've been singing songs about heaven. In my car, in the shower, in the office, everywhere I could. It's just been on my mind because I'm excited that one day I get the opportunity to be there. And so we're going to sing heaven songs today. I want you to stand as we begin singing When We All Get to Heaven. going to be like. That's right. Give the Lord a hand. It's all about him today. What do you think it's going to be like? Tell me one thing you think about heaven. Glorious. What? Glorious. What else? Glorious. Glorious. The same word. Anybody else? Reunion. Who said that? God bless you. What? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. (laughs) Uh, Here. Anybody else? Jesus. Beautiful. Beautiful. These are two special little men here, right there, beside Della, and we'll talk about them later today. I want you to know that you have made heaven better for me. 
I think about it all the time. I think about what it's going to be like. I think about the people that are already there. Do you think about that? I want you to know my mom and daddy's over there. They're over there. They're having a big old time. There's no telling what they're doing. My mentors, all those, a lot of those people that poured into me, they're there. I cannot wait to see them. I cannot imagine what it's going to be like. We know a lot of things from Scripture about about jasper walls and golden streets and all those things. But I think it is beyond our imagination what it's going to be like. Oh, what a day that will be.
today, we just want to thank you for allowing us to be in your presence. That you would love us enough not only to die for us, not to leave the riches of your kingdom to come and die for us, but to make a way that where you are, we can be forever in your presence. Thank you, Lord, for saving our souls. And Lord, I pray today that if there is one among us that still needs that moment of salvation, that this will be the day. Lord, empower Pastor Ken now as he comes. We love you. And we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, amen. Amen. If you're glad you're here today, say amen. Hey, do me a favor. Put a, put a good smile on your face. All right, now stand up, move around. I want you to share that smile with somebody right quick, okay? Do that. Let somebody know that you're glad to see them this morning. Welcome somebody. Make you a new friend today. Amen. Amen. And it's so good to see you, friend. Bless you. Bless you. I love it. I love it, man. Thank you. Thank you. Amen and amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Man, I love to hear all the chatter. That's good. That's good. God bless you. (laughs) Amen. So good to see each of you today. So glad that each of you are here. And I'm telling you, I love to watch you love on each other. That is a, that just brings a a joy uh, to my heart and just a smile to my face. Hope you've had a good week. Hope you came eager to hear from the word of the Lord today. We're going to start a new series. I'm thankful for our time together in 1 Thessalonians and just appreciate that uh, time together. But today we're going to start a new series in the book of Nehemiah. And I'm going to call this series the I Life, Living an Intentional Life. And uh, we are getting ready to, uh, to go into our second phase of this transitional period today. Uh, the focus team is going to meet after this service is over. We're going to be in the, the fellowship hall. We're going to have a working time together. And we're going to begin to look at the six major functions of the church. And as we do that, we believe that God is going to speak to us in a great way. We're going to look at the strengths of the church in each of those areas. What are we doing well? But maybe what could we do better? And what are the opportunities that could come from that? If you can envision the church three to five years down the road, what would that church look like? So we're going to begin that step today. And I'm so excited and eager uh, to get uh, on with that. There are 17 historical books recorded in the scriptures. Three of the most recent, as far as date is concerned, are the books of Ezra, Esther, and Nehemiah. Ezra and Nehemiah are both divided into two parts. If you go back and study in the book of Ezra, you will discover that the first six chapters were about the rebuilding of the temple. 
And then the other four chapters were about restoring worship. When you look at the book of Nehemiah, the first six chapters are about the walls in Jerusalem being reconstructed. And the last seven chapters are about reinstructing God's people. The Babylonians had taken over the city and they had destroyed it. For 70 years, Israel had been in captivity. And so God in His providence, even through hard times, has always had a remnant. God has always had a people that survived. And this remnant did survive. And they would go back to Jerusalem. And that's what we find in the book of Ezra. The temple has been rebuilt and worship has been restored. But there's an issue. The gates of the city still lay in ruins. And here's, here's why that's important. Because you study the Word of God, you realize that these broken down walls were a testimony of defeat. It was a poor witness of the greatness and wonder of God. So in the year 445 B.C., God began to move upon the heart of Nehemiah and he called him and he equipped him and he is going to to use him in the rebuilding of the walls there in Jerusalem. Now, that's the background and that really is important to at least have a 20,000 foot view of where we're going. So that kind of sets the stage for us. I... Don't want the testimony of my life to be a broken down testimony for the greatness of God. I do do not want your testimony as individuals to be a broken down testimony of the greatness of God. I do not want this fellowship to, to have a reputation in this area that God has placed us in as a broken down witness to the glory of God. And so you and I would have to agree today, there's some walls that are broken down and there's a work that God is calling us to do. Amen? And there's going to be a rebuild that's going to take place. And I think this book can help us understand the necessity of serving God. Understanding His divine will for us individually and collectively. And God has the right in our lives. Somebody say amen. God has the right to do whatever God wants to do. For no other reason because He's God. And so God wants us to to join Him. I I like what Henry Blackaby always said in experiencing God. It's about us joining God where He is working. And so Jesus owns the supreme claim to our lives. So here is the key to the whole book. God wants me. God wants you. God wants us to adjust our will to His will. That's it. That's what God's going to do as we study this book. And in finding His will... Then God's going to put in you the desire to be used for Him and in Him for His plan and His purposes. 
And so I'm excited to jump into this book and I'm excited about this first sermon today. So if you have a copy of God's Word or you have your device, whatever you want to use, you know, you use whatever is is best for you. But I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word and uh, we're going to read together. Hold that Bible up and say this. This is the Bible. It is God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-giving, life-changing Word. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislub in the 20th year as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hananiah, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there in the providence who has survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive to your eye. Be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But... If you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of the heaven, and there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. And give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. Father God, today... Thank you for this day that you have given us. Lord, to gather in this place and to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, I thank you for the privilege, Lord, of knowing you and walking with you. You are a great and merciful God. And in your mercy and in your loving kindness, God, you saved me. And I praise you for that. Thank you that you call me, Lord, to preach the gospel. God, thank you for this assignment in this season, Lord, of my journey of faith. Lord, to be here at Poplar Spring. God, we pray that today that you would come and that you would visit with us. We pray that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Lord, that you would take this text and cause it to come alive. God, let us see you. Let us, God, be drawn into this text today. And that, God, we would see how these spiritual principles are so needed for today. 
And so God, we, we rest in the fact that without you, we can do nothing. God, show us our dependence upon you today. And God, for all that you do, we will give you praise and we'll give you glory. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There are three insights that I want you to see as we walk through this first chapter. Here's the first one. The spiritual condition of others should break our hearts. Let me say that again. The spiritual condition of others should break our hearts. If you go back into verse 1, you see that Nehemiah's brother and some men came to see him. And on that visit, there was a conversation. And Nehemiah asked a question. He wanted to know, how are things back in Jerusalem? And as they were speaking, he heard some heart-breaking words. He understood that those who had escaped and out of the exile were in great trouble and shame. That God's people were in distress And they were defeated. And they were vulnerable. These were people who were not living the life that God had ordained. I wonder, could it be today there's someone here today and you know that the scriptures teach that if we are in the life of Jesus and His life is in us, that we should be experiencing the abundant life. And yet you would have to say today, in all honesty, that you really aren't experiencing the abundant life. And you can identify with where these people were. They felt distressed. They felt defeated. And they were a poor testimony to the greatness of God. In Psalm 48, the scripture said that the walls were unto the praise of God. But in our text you realize that the walls are not giving praise to God. It is a picture of spiritual failure and distress. And these people were in a bad place. And here's what happens. Nehemiah's heart was broken. He's broken. And the Bible says that when he heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And what you see in Nehemiah's heart is, is, is the point here that the spiritual condition of other people really should break our hearts. The walls can be down in another person's life. You know, people cry for a lot of different reasons. I've noticed on YouTube that a lot of gender reveals. You'll have a, have a brother who wants another brother. And, you know, they go through the gender reveal and the pink balloons come out. And the little boy just starts crying. Right? Because he wanted a brother. He didn't want a sister. He wanted a brother. Right? And, and so, I mean, people cry over things like that. Have you ever noticed moms cry at weddings? Someone said the reasons mom cry over their daughter at a wedding is because most girls marry somebody like their daddy. I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, people cry for a lot of different reasons. Years ago, I was preaching at part of a revival meeting outside of Memphis, Tennessee, in a little place called Hernando, Mississippi. And Hernando is not that far, about an hour's drive from Memphis, and we had some free time. And so Pat said, Hun, 
I don't know why. When she starts a conversation like that, hun, sweetheart, sugar, just get ready. And she said, we are so close to Graceland. I've always wanted to go to Graceland. So I said, you know what? You want to go? We're going. So we made our way over there. We pulled up into this parking lot. Buses were everywhere. Oh, you know, guys with big old sideburns, Elvis wannabes were everywhere. And all the ladies getting off the buses were crying. And I looked at my wife and I said, if you start crying, I promise you, I will punch you, okay? (laughs) People cry for all kinds of reasons. But when was the last time you cried over the spiritual condition of someone else? That you know they're distressed. You know that their their life is not what it needs to be for the glory of God. And the Bible says in verse 4 that there were many days. And as a matter of fact, if you if you kind of do the math and, and God gives us that, for four months Isaiah has been weeping and praying. For four months he can't really utter words. And the, the Spirit has to take his groanings to the Father. For four months he has been in anguish and he's weeping and praying and fasting. His appetite for food has gone away. There is no appeal even in food. I I get the picture that that Nehemiah is doing what Jesus did when Jesus looked over Jerusalem. And the Bible says he wept. Why? Because the first step in God preparing us to join Him in His redemptive purpose To make a difference in this world has to come through the posture of brokenness. And so one of my prayers as we, as we launch out into this phase, that God would somehow bring about a spirit of brokenness in our hearts. That we would see the spiritual condition of others. I mean, he asked the question, most of the time we don't even ask questions, do we? We just kind of keep to ourselves. But he asked the right question. He was concerned about others. He, he, he wasn't willing to stay in that comfortable little Christian bubble. No, God's business is too important for that. I'm afraid one of the indictments on the modern day church is that we enjoy ourselves more than we employ ourselves in the work of God and His glory. And His greatness. No mighty move of God is ever going to begin without a burden. And that burden lead us to a place of brokenness. We hurt. Because people hurt. I would have to admit to you that one of the tragedies of my own Christian experience is I have forgotten sometimes what it's like to be lost. second thing I want you to see in the text today is this. God is calling His people to take responsibility. If you look at verses 5 and 6, He really assumes ownership. As soon as I heard the words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant. Now let me just stop right there and say, aren't you glad it is God who keeps His covenant? God is faithful. 
God is trustworthy. And what God has established, He is not going to go back on. Hallelujah for that. He keeps His covenant and steadfast love with those who love and keep His commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servants that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. Confessing the sins of the people of Israel which we have sinned against you, even I and my Father's house. What's He doing? He's taking responsibility. He's broken he doesn't become angry at what's going on. See, I, I confess to you today, there's a time in my life, even in my first church, as a pastor, my first experience as a senior pastor, I would let sin and distress make me angry sometimes. And I would get angry with people. I love to play golf. And, but you know what I used to do? This, I'm, I'm going to show you the depth of my depravity. If I got really frustrated with somebody, I used to write their name on my golf ball. <laughs> now that's horrible, isn't it? Be frustrated and angry at somebody. I'd write their name on a golf ball. I'd stick it on that tee. I'd get that driver out and I would try to knock the ever-loving fire out of that thing. And God broke my heart one day. Because he said this to me, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The emotion that I should have been exhibiting was not anger, it should have been anguish. That God hears somebody lost or they're in their sin and God, they can't even recognize. It should have broken my heart that I should have taken responsibility for them and to pray with them and to be with them and not push them away. You understand what I'm saying? And so Nehemiah begins to take responsibility. He agonizes over this. He didn't criticize. He didn't condemn. He didn't point his finger. No, he took responsibility. Edmund Burks once said, All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. I'm reminded of 1 Kings 17 and Elijah and the widow's son dies. And here's what he says, Give me your son. He took responsibility. And church, that is going to be one of our great needs in moving forward. That God would break our heart and burden us for lost people. And in that burden, it would create such a sense of responsibility. We're never going to make disciples and fulfill the commission unless we do. We're never going to really embrace connecting upward and inward and outward unless God breaks us. And then we all say, God, you have to show me my part in this. That's our need. Nehemiah was apprehended by a divine call. I can't tell you how many times in a church service I've been stirred. But I'm telling you something, there's something different than just being stirred than God calling you to something. A distinct difference. Let me, let me show you, because I bet this has happened. You ever been in a church service and you went, Whoo, man, what a service. 
And the, the music was good, and the prayers were good, and the testimonies were good. The message all pointed to the power of God, and man, it began to stir us. God, God did speak, and, and we began kind of get stirred up by that, and our, our heart is moved. And then there's the benediction. And then you go home and eat. And then there's the football game or the race. And by halftime, it's all worn off. We can't even remember the songs that were sung. We really couldn't tell you anything that the pastor preached. And we can't even really articulate what God began to stir in our heart. I think that's probably happened to all of us. This is not what happened to Nehemiah. This thing so impacted him. That, that's really how a divine call works. You can't put it off. You, 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 you have to get into the game. You, you, you stop using excuses. When you get arrested by sovereignty, something, something amazing happens. You, you stop saying, I'm not going to do that. Somebody else needs to do that. You can't help but say, God, I, here I am. Send me, God. Here I am. Give me a place. God, I will take ownership and responsibility. I'm telling you, I've seen that happen before. And when a body gets to the place that they're willing to be broken by God and a burden for people, and they, they, they sense that own personal ownership, I'm telling you, you could not stop what God was trying to do. Amazing. Number three, people who make a difference seek the God of heaven. They pray. They pray. And so in our text, he, he asks a few questions and he gets the report. The report breaks his heart. He begins to take ownership. And the first thing that he does is he hits his knees. He buries his face in the presence of a holy God. A spiritual problem must have a spiritual solution. So there's two things, and I'll be quick. There's two things that happen here. He begins to confess sin. Did you catch that? He's confessing the sin of the people. He's confessing the sin of his own family. He's confessing the sin of himself. And so he, he, he's confessing sin, but before he really launches into that, he's confessing how great God is. I think that's one of the missing elements in prayer, in true prayer. It's the greatness of God. He says, the Lord God of heaven. Well, what does that mean? It is a good question. I'm glad you asked. Does it mean that God is a God that's far off? Absolutely not. It doesn't mean that He's far off. It doesn't mean that He's distant. No, it speaks of His enormity. That God is big. He's large and in charge. He is the God who rules the earth. He is a great God. He is a faithful God who enters a covenant with His people and keeps us in love and mercy. Sometimes I am not worth keeping. But God, in His love, still loves me. And His mercy is so good that even when I am a spiritual wreck, He is there to clean me back up. Somebody say amen. Thank God for that. 
Verse 6 and 7, he says, God, I know that you've got ears and you've got eyes. You're omniscient. There is nothing that gets by you. You are the God who sees. You are the God who hears. You hear our prayer. You invite us to come before you. Verse 7, you are the God who will reveal yourself in your word. And let me just camp out right there for a second. Listen to me. If you don't get anything out of the sermon today, you've got to take this home with you. God reveals His will through His Word. God always reveals His will through His Word. And so when Nehemiah starts his prayer, his prayer is based on the character of God, not his need. How many times have I just hit the emergency buttons? God, give me, give me, give me. You ever treated God like that? Like that God is some kind of just, you know, like a spiritual ATM? Go to God. God, I need this. I need you to do that. God, you make me happy if. No. Go to God and say, God, you are, you are awesome and you are great. You are the God who saves. You are the God who heals. You are the God who restores. You are awesome and you are faithful and you are good. God, you know absolutely everything. And I am like a little speck on the sand of the sea. And yet you know everything about me. And you died for me. And you love me with an incredible love. So he just brags on the greatness of God. Something based on the character of God. You know what he's saying? Lord, you are able. God, you're able. The second thing he does... He does begin to confess sin. Lord, we have not kept your testimonies. We've not kept your promises. I don't know who said this. Uh, there, there's a lot of things I've caught over the years, and, and sometimes I, I don't give proper recognition. It's because something that I heard, something that I read, that I wrote it down, but I didn't write the author's name down. So I, I don't know who said this. But someone once said, prayer is no substitution for work, but prayer is preparation for work. Prayer inspires our vision. It's the secret place of prayer where men and women are made by God. Where God adjusts our will to His ways. Prayer is this surrendering of your will to God's will. So this prayer is one of just submission. This prayer is one of acknowledgement. To say, God, we can't do this. But you can This is the kind of prayer that says, okay, God, I will release everything that I am to all that you are. Are you willing to pray that kind of prayer? Are you you willing for God to step in and mess everything up? See, some of us have got all the covers tucked in just right. And as long as God moves the way in which we want Him to move, oh, He's a good God. He's so good. But what if God stepped in and pulled all the covers out? Do you know He has the right to do that? He is sovereign. This is not your church, this is God's church. And he has every right to do whatever he wants to do. 
Church, I want you to hear me clearly. And just because God did something one way in the past, doesn't mean he's going to do it that way in the future. God has the right to come in and re-instruct us in his ways in such a way that we realize for that to happen, God, you have to do that. We aren't enough. And so today, as I close this portion, I'm, I'm praying that you have a desire to make God's name great. I, I want to see the fame and the glory of God be great in Moore, in Roebuck. I think we've got some folks that live kind of close to Woodruff, Lyman, Duncan, Spartanburg County. Now, if I've left, if I've left an area off, don't get upset with me. Uh, you know, but God wants His name and His glory. To be out there. And the issue is, will you, will you let him break you enough to do it? Are you willing to join him in it? Are you willing to ask questions and talk to people? Are you willing to weep? Are you willing to pray? Are you willing to take responsibility? Are you willing to, to stop sitting on the sidelines and get into the game? You know, even in asking those questions, I'm taking a big assumption in two areas. I'm assuming that you're saved, and I'm assuming that you want to be used of God. So here, here, here's the deal. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus, I want you to trust Jesus. I want you to know He came, He lived, He died, He rose again in order that you could have sin forgiven once and for all and be in right relationship with Him. And the beautiful thing about grace, grace reminds me every single day that I am not going to endure the holy wrath of God because Jesus has already done that for me. I'm free as free can be. I might be redneck and I might be strange and I know I'm loud and I stomp and I spit. I know all that about me. But I know that I know that I know that my name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. I know that. If you don't know that today, I want you to know that. If you're here today and say, Ken, we're just going to kind of wait and see who God brings to pass to the church. We're going to wait and see what the church council does. We'll just wait and see. Friend, I'm going to tell you something right now. I love you so much, I'm going to tell you straight up. That is a rotten, stinking attitude. It's not time, it's not time to sit back any longer. It's time to get in the game. It's time to step up. Some of you should be singing. Some of you should be ushering. Some of you need to be teaching. Some of you need to be soul winning. Some of us, all of us need to be praying that God would stir us and break us over the spiritual condition of people. Some in your own family. Some right down the road. Some that you go to school with. They're, listen, lost people are everywhere. It's not an issue that there's not people to reach. The issue is the hardness of our own heart as God's people. That we're totally okay with the glory and the testimony of God being broken down and weak. 
So, now that I've blessed you (laughs) and encouraged you, more of an admonition today. You've got this little brochure, this little pamphlet. I am inviting you to go on a journey for the next 21 days. Actually, 23 days. The next 23 days. I love this passage out of Psalm 39. Donna did a fantastic job. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I'm I'm asking each of you for the next 23 days to use this as a part of your quiet time. To, To find a moment during the day that you would read Matthew 6, 12 through 14. Read that passage. Okay? Read it a couple of times. And then begin just to simply ask yourselves some of these questions. I know that this is a very simple tool. This is the most simple thing I've ever used in 41 years of ministry. I promise you this. there's, There's never been a more effective tool than I've seen in 41 years. You getting in the presence of God. Here's the deal. When you get in the presence of God, you can't stay the same. You just can't. So we want you to pray for the focus team? Absolutely. But our prayer time is not just about the focus team. Our prayer is going to have to be about the entire body. And so we're going to be in the Word together. We're going to pray some of the same things Together, We may live in different places, but this is something that we as a body can do together. And I'm believing God is going to speak. And as God begins to show us any wickedness and sin, and we begin to take responsibility for that in repentance and confession, there is going to come a freedom. And in that freedom, God is going to begin to speak. And God may clearly show you your place of service and responsibility in the kingdom. And I'm telling you, when that begins to happen, oh my soul, it's going to get crazy good. And so my prayer is that we, we take this seriously. Now, I can't make you do this, right? I know what some of you do. You love going to the doctor. You tell everybody all week long, I just want you to know I got a doctor's appointment on Thursday. Got a doctor's appointment on Thursday. Got a doctor's appointment on Thursday. So doctor's appointment, Thursday, 2 o'clock, and you go. And the doctor tells you the same thing he tells you every single month, right? And you walk out of that office the same way you did as you went in. You've got no desire to listen to what he's saying. You're either going to take that medicine or you're not, or you're going to lose that weight or you're not. So I can't make you, but I promise you, you will recognize the spiritual temperature of those who do. And if God just has a remnant, something powerful can happen. Something powerful can happen. So 
Lord, today. We come to you and we praise you and thank you for who you are. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for this first study in the book of Nehemiah, God. My my prayer, Lord, is that as we enter in this time of, of just seeking you and our heart preparation for what you have for us, that God, you would do an incredible work. You are sovereign and you are good. You are faithful and holy and just. God, you are the God who brought about the covenant. You are the God who saved us. You are the God who keeps us. God, thank you for that. Thank you today that we can have full assurance that you are a God who sees and you are a God who hears. And God, I'm praying that in this season, God, the next few weeks as we are entering in this together, that God, you would do a mighty work. And God, we pray that souls would be saved. We pray that your church would increase. We pray, God, that we would just see people taking ownership and that God, repentance would just open the the doors of prison that, that so many have enclosed themselves, God. They struggle with doubt. They struggle with shame. God, some of us are hiding. And Lord, the beautiful thing about coming into your presence is, Lord, nothing is hid. And God, if we just, if we just through repentance, God, just confess our sin to you, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. God, thank you for that. And Lord, the testimony of the gospel here in this area, Lord, can be on display. And God, we will watch you work. We will watch you do a supernatural thing in our midst. A team, a pastor, a staff, God can't take glory for any of it because we will all know it was a mighty move of you. And all praise and all glory would just go to you. And so, Lord, my prayer today and for this series will be, God, will you... Will you align our will to your will? And we trust you with that. And so, Lord, even now in this time of invitation, God, we pray that you would move. Lord, if somebody needs to be saved, we pray they'd be saved. God, if someone even now is beginning to feel the, the pressure and the burden, God, that you'll begin that spirit of brokenness. God, do it today. And God, we will thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Our praise team is going to lead us in this time of invitation. This altar is open. If I can help you, I want to help you. If you want to come pray, you come pray. Whatever God is speaking to you today, just simply obey Him. Wherever He leads. Oh uh-huh.
Amen. Thank you. Hey, I want you to remain standing. I know that you probably know these guys, and uh, but I'm just so thrilled. Uh, this is Sawyer and Justin Greer, cousins. I love that. All right. And how many times in scriptures do you see a brother or a cousin? You know, right? Coming to faith. And so this past week, these two young men uh, prayed to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Say amen. Amen. So, so I got two new brothers. Amen. And so the kingdom of God just continues to grow and to expound. And, and we're, we're just so grateful. I mean, there's, there's no greater joy. There's absolutely no greater joy as a parent than to see, to see your son come to faith and then to watch the evidence of that, not just stay with someone, but you watch the gospel even working in other lives as well. And so we're going to continue to follow up and talk about baptism. And, and you realize that they just get, they're just getting started, right? And so right now they're converts, but we don't want them to stay as converts. We want to see God make them what? Disciples. That's exactly right. And so that's going to take us praying for them, encouraging them, mentoring them. And uh, so, so there's going to be lots of conversations and lots of prayer and lots of time and investment. And uh, it's going to be great. I'm so proud of you too. I don't even know what to do. I, I just don't even want to go home right now. I really don't. And... Uh, um, I'm just proud of you both. And we just thank the Lord for you. God bless you. Would you encourage them one more time? Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Down. Well, amen. I want you to pray for these guys. Justin told me Wednesday night that he, when he became a man, he wanted to be a preacher. So will you pray for him about that? I mean, don't just say it. Do it. Because we need people. He said if God cleaned him up, loved him enough today, he needs to tell other people about him. So we're excited about what God's going to do. As you're leaving today, uh, there will be the guys with the offering place at, out of the door. Uh, and, or the black boxes are just hanging on the wall out there if you're more comfortable with that. If you're interested in knowing more about Poplar Springs Church, Brother Joey is out there at the welcome desk. You can't miss him. He's drinking heavily from a water bottle as I see him. And so he'll be right out there on that side to talk with you and uh, be sure and... Uh, we have a class called PS 101, so you can learn all about us and what we're about, and we'd love to have you to be a part. If you're on the focus team or church council, you're going to uh, be going downstairs. There's a meal uh, for you there, and so uh, don't forget that. Don't forget that tonight at, uh, at 6 o'clock. Bring your food. We'll have a time of fellowship around the tables and then hear from our ministry leaders this evening. And also, don't forget that only four Sundays from now, four Sundays from now is Sacrifice Sunday. And what's God going to do on that day? Pay that dead off. That's exactly right. Joyce, next week, I'm just going to let you come up and shout it from the platform. That's exactly right. So God can do it, and he's going to use us to do it. So we look forward to it. Let's pray together. Well, Lord Jesus, it has truly been good to be in your house today. Oh, to see young men come forward who want to live for you, who want to go wherever you lead them. Lord, to be challenged by a message and by a man and by a little brochure as you ask us to surrender to you. Not for our benefits, but for the benefit of the kingdom of the Lord. 
Lord, I pray that mighty things will happen as a result of what we experience in the next 23 days. We pray you'll be with us this evening as we hear what's going on and with our focus team as they're meeting. Choir at five, Lord, just bless everything that happens in your house today. We love you and we thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen.